Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Geek Thyself. Now, if you're coming straight off the back of last week's episode, we'll start you've had to wait a week. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. If you're in the future and can skip time, hey, we're going to talk more about Agatha Christie. Yes. So we mentioned in last episode a lot more about her books and some of our favorites and our favorite characters. This week we're going to actually talk about Agatha Christie herself. The queen of mystery, the queen of crime, all of those wonderful titles that she earned. Yes. Mm-hmm. Over a... 60-ish year career, which is Um, ridiculous. Yeah, if you include the years that she was writing before she really became popular, I think it adds up to around 60. So for anyone who isn't aware, or if you skipped straight to this episode for some strange reason, um, Agatha Christie is a famous mystery and crime author who was born in England back in 1890. And wrote prolifically. She's got over 79 publications, if you include all of her plays and short stories and everything. She's got 79 just books. And then on top of that, she did everything else, too. Yes. Under many, many pseudonyms and names. Um, Mm -hmm. Eventually settling settling on Agatha Christie. Yes. She she has a very long name, so she had a lot of choices. (laughs) Her full birth name is Agatha Mary Clarissa Miller. So she had a lot of room to wiggle around in there on what she was going to name herself. (laughs) Yeah, her married married name, her first husband's name, was Archibald Christie, and she kept his name even when things changed later. Going to be vague since we're going to be talking about her life. But... (laughs) Um, but yeah, she has over 79 books, over 100 publications easily, if you include everything. Um, her books have sold over 2 billion copies worldwide, um, and probably more by now, because with the digital age, it's even harder to know exactly Quant- how many times it's been. That. Yeah, because the, the files can be shared constantly, so I don't know. And it's been published in over 45 languages. So... Her, even if you may not have heard of her before, her books are prolific. Her stories are everywhere, and people all over the world know who Agatha Christie is. This is true. Everyone loves a good whodunit, and she, like we mentioned earlier, one of her many, many nicknames is the Queen of Mystery. I mean, she's so good, she was given the title of Dame by the Queen. Mm, yes. Or by the royal family, I should say, because I can't remember who actually did it. But oh yeah, wouldn't have been the queen at that point. <laughs> no, it's weird. Yeah. I know she's been she's been sitting on the throne for so long. You always just assume it was her. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to be so strange when it's not. I'm not looking forward to that. That'll make me sad. Um, but Agatha Christie was born in Torquay, Devon, in England. Um, for anyone who's like me from the states and doesn't understand how that breaks down. England is the country, Devon is the like the county, so it would be like our version of a state, and Torquay is the actual city. 
That's um, the yes. That's the closest um, approximation. Yeah, um, state would be very, very, very small state, but yes, yes. So she was born there, September fifteenth, eighteen ninety, and um, she was the youngest child. She had two older siblings, a brother and a sister, and she went on to become one of the most famous, prolific mystery writers ever. Yeah, of all time, easily. I think, at least in my opinion, just like thinking about mystery authors that I know, if you're talking about just overall history and not focusing on modern history, I would say that it, like, in terms of most famous series of writings like the Sherlock Holmes ones from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and Agatha Christie are both up there in like most famous everybody knows who these people are kind of thing yeah the only one that I was going to suggest that even maybe comes closest Sir Arthur Conan Doyle yeah those both of those sort of were around at roughly the same time mm-hmm. authors, and they essentially created the whodunit area Although, to be fair, I could Christie focus more on someone you could relate to more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's why, that's why Sir Arthur Conan Doyle created John Watson. So we actually did have someone we could relate to a little bit. Yes, because Sherlock Holmes was just like, woo, way up there. <laughs> While this is going to sound like an insult, it absolutely is not. Um, Agatha Christie's characters never, never possessed hyper-intelligence. But that meant that you could follow along when they explained it to you. And mm-hmm. it didn't feel like it was cheap. It just felt like they their mind worked differently to anyone else's. I would agree. Even in the case of her, one of her more famous characters, Hercule Poirot, who we talk about in last week's episode. Um, he He's probably the closest she has to a hyper-intelligent Sherlock Holmes type of character. But even then... He is not at that level of Sherlock Holmes where like no one else can understand what's happening. He and his his stuff and he even says to him says to people when they're talking to him that it's his little gray cells that he uses yes. and he and he nurtures <laughs> them and also that he is very observant. Like, He's also extremely worldly. Yes. Like a lot of the things that he brings to those uh, cases are little-known facts from around the world or poisons mm-hmm. and such that are used elsewhere. Right, which are things so, where he's, like, read it at some point and retained the information because he likes to learn and be educated. Yes. yes. So, again, it's not that he literally knows everything. He's just cherry-picked his knowledge to be at such a level that he's good at what he does. And it's it's amazing, honestly, because he still feels like a person... And not a plot device, uh, which I think is where Agatha Christie excels with both of her main characters she wrote for for most of her life. They feel like genuine people. Yes, I agree. They, they feel like real people. They feel like people that you could run into at the grocery store as opposed to, you know, someone like Sherlock Holmes where you're like, oh, yeah, he's like super spy level working over at MI6 kind of stuff. Like, it's they're more approachable they're more they're more everyday which it doesn't mean that they're you know less but they're just more there's someone you can connect with more there's someone you can relate to mm. better than there's, sherlock holmes there's a, there's a human aspect to them but i will yes. say well you could meet them in the supermarket you wouldn't actually like to meet them in the supermarket because that means things are going to go down 
This is true. This is true. Well, and of course, you'd have to wait for Hercule Poirot to pick out, like, the six boxes that are identical and not have Uh, any damage. And Miss Marple would be talking to someone and blocking the aisle because she'd be chit-chatting because she just is friendly with everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but again, she's also blocking the aisle because she needs that person to stay there. Uh-huh. Oh, God. We could uh, we could talk forever about this, but we did a whole episode on this. Mm-hmm. Why don't we switch gears and talk about her a little bit more? Like we already talked about, she first began sort of writing her her main two characters in the early twenties, wasn't it? Yes, her. So she actually had six times where she wrote something and tried to get it published and was rejected. And, you know, I'm sure later on those guys felt like idiots. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) She was rejected several times. And finally, her first real major publication was The Mysterious Affair at Styles that was published in 1920. But even though it was published and had, you know, a fairly decent success, you know, people read it and liked it and she wrote a couple more. So The Murder of Roger Ackroyd was published in 1926 and that was her first major success and it featured Hercule Poirot one of her two characters that would go on to become her sort of mainstays as she wrote more novels um so in terms of her early life Agatha Christie was born into a family that was not necessarily you know billionaires but they were well enough off that they didn't really suffer for anything and they were able to send their children to good schools and have tutors and that kind of thing um Interestingly, and I couldn't find anything online today when I was trying to do research about it. So when I was in elementary school, or what what would be primary school for you, Russ, um, I did a book report. We had to do biography reports, basically, on a famous person. I chose Agatha Christie, and I I read like a 400-page biography of Agatha Christie, Um, you know, cover to cover, all the information, and I wrote this you know big long report and one of the things in it that was interesting for me personally but I couldn't find anything online today when I was trying to find more information is that I remember vividly as I was scanning through the book at one point she mentions her friend um Mary Margaret Asquith oh for yeah, for anyone who's not aware, my maiden name is Asquith. And so, of course, immediately I start doing more research at the time. And I found out that Mary Margaret was related to Herbert Henry Asquith, who was one of the previous prime ministers of England years and years and years ago. I can't remember how they were related, but they were related. And um, we don't know for certain, but Herbert Henry Asquith was born in the same vicinity like this like the same town area as my grandfather's family family. yeah yeah and talking about this yes and for anyone who is not from england and specifically who's never been to yorkshire um (laughs) the last name asquith is not really that uncommon in yorkshire um there's quite a few of us and we're spread out all over the place now but (laughs) um the family history has always been that we were, as far as we know, because it's, it's one of those things where, especially in my experience, when you're talking about like that time period of England, if there was a black sheep of the family, they basically got expunged from the family record. And my father told me that his like grandparents, 
basically had kind of told him that we were sort of related to the black sheep of the family from Herbert Henry Asquith's family. So like they were the rich side and he went on to become prime minister and we were like the poor relations that existed but didn't get focused on kind of situation. Um, So there is a small, small percentage chance because I've never done the full genealogy that Agatha Christie was friends with one of my way, way back relatives, which is kind of fun. It's actually interesting you mentioned Yorkshire because we're about to talk about Yorkshire in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> my, uh, what I was going to say is um, there's actually a, a fair gap between her first two novels because obviously mm-hmm. the first one's out in 20 uh, and then the second one is out in 26. Yes. But during that time she also got married. She did. Uh, she got married mm-hmm. and had a child. Yes. Unfortunately, the relationship didn't work out for either of them. Not Uh, long term. uh, No. uh, (laughs) In early 26, um, Agatha Christie's husband, uh, Archie or Archibald, asked for a divorce uh, as he'd fallen in love with someone else. There's no no actual confirmed infidelity there, but it seemed a little suspect at the time, at least. Yeah, and it is one of those things, too, where depending on which source you can find you might get slightly different information because of course it's something that's been um sort of sensationalized to a certain degree because she's a famous author and this thing happened so um you know depending on where you find your sources it'll either say that he told her he was cheating on her and then they decided to break up or it'll say he told her he was in love with someone else and wanted to leave her. But, you know, there's slight variations. But the short version is he no longer wanted to be married to her. No. Uh, They had some quarrels because, obviously, as divorcing people have, that Mm -hmm. that is going to happen. And uh, Archibald actually left their home, which was named Styles. Again, uh, interesting (laughs) that, that she'd name her book after... Or I name her house after the book about murder. Okay, you know what? Fair. <laughs> um, but she, um, she also disappeared that day, and we say disappeared yes. because she, while she left a note saying she was going to Yorkshire, she then vanished with mm-hmm. her car turning up. Oh, where did it? Where did her car turn up? Sorry. Uh, oh, uh, it, her car was like found at Newgrounds Corner perched in a chalk quarry with an expired driving license and clothes. Yes. So it was certainly very suspicious, especially for someone who had just come off the back of written, of writing two mysteries to have her own real life one. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where no one really knows exactly what happened and she no. never told anyone exactly what happened. So all anyone really knows for certain is that she disappeared from her house one day saying she was going somewhere. They found her car and her stuff. And then a little while later, after the entire country was freaking out and everything was... Yeah, it was 10 days, uh, roughly. Uh, There was a £100 reward. And obviously in the 20s, £100... Was a lot. It's a ridiculous sum of money. Over 15,000 volunteers... And even Sir Arthur Conan Doyle himself offered uh, some uh, information in order to find her. It, yes. It, it was... Because they were friends, so he wanted her found too. Yes, it was a country scandal. 
Yes, it was uh, huge. And the interesting thing, too, is that um, I, I think it's it's at least a little bit in his favor. Because I know I'm sure a lot of people out there are, you know, oh, Archie, he's in love with someone else. He can, you know, go off and do whatever. But um, <laughs> interestingly enough, when she was found, he instantly rushed over to see if it was her and find out. Like, he despite the fact that they may have had their quarrels and they clearly weren't good married to each other, um, he still didn't want her hurt. He didn't want her dead. He was concerned and rushed to find out if it really was her when someone spotted her later. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that's what came about that. Yeah, but, she... Oh, sorry, what was actually interesting, sorry, about all of that is even in her, in her own autobiography, it's not even mentioned. No, uh, she, she just skips over it. She doesn't say yeah. anything about it. It's just not there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she, like I said, she never told anyone. And the only reason she was discovered within those 10 days is because her picture was in, like, all of the newspapers. So um, two musicians that were playing music at the hotel she was staying at in Yorkshire recognized her and said something. And that's when her husband came rushing out. She had checked into the Hydro Paddock Hotel in Harrogate, Yorkshire. Yeah. And, and she was under the name Mrs. Teresa Neal. Yes. And Neal specific because that was the the maiden name of the of her husband's new lover, not quite married yet. So it was interesting that she did choose that name. Yeah, that was a it was interesting choice. She also said that she was coming from Cape Town, South Africa, because you know when she, you fill out the guest book, she said that's where she'd come from. So she was definitely not giving her true identity, and she just spent a few days relaxing and reading and going to the spa there, the baths, and that kind of thing. Like nothing nothing that you would expect from someone who's either in necessarily in hiding from like an abusive husband or anything like that and also not something you would expect necessarily from a woman who was trying to escape from an from you know what yeah, was happening like with the was, cheating and everything it was really random yeah um um some uh medical professionals i uh, put it down to amnesia and that she actually just because doesn't remember any of it mm-hmm. uh but again my opinion is still very decisively split on that which of course can be understood yeah it's it's, uh, it's an inch it's an interesting and intriguing subject to be sure and we will just never know any more about it no no one will ever really know for certain because she never told anyone and so we don't know if she didn't tell anyone because she doesn't remember we don't know if she didn't tell anyone because she remembers bits and pieces, but it's, like, weird. There's some people who think maybe she entered kind of a fugue state because of the shock of her husband's announcement. Um, yeah. And then there's some people who think that she knew what she was doing, but she just needed to get away and wanted to hide. So she was trying to think of a way to, like, get back at him, and disappearing was a way to to do that. To kind of, like, try to punish her husband, almost. And there's some people who think she did it because she was mad and trying to get back at him and trying to sensationalize herself so that she'd be more well-known for the future. There, You know, there's all these different potentials of what could have happened, and there's no one set, like, this is definitely it. 
It's it's very strange and very mysterious, much like her herself. That is kind of the biggest mystery of her life, and I feel like that looking at the time might be a good place to do our mid roll. I agree. Yes. All right, hi guys, welcome to the mid roll. So, starting off like always, talking about the wonderful, amazing World Anvil. And actually, since we're talking about an author today, interestingly enough, I'm not as familiar with the author side of World Anvil because I have used it for RPG stuff since that's a lot of what we do at Nerdsmith. But um, it's got amazing world building capabilities and it's also got campaign management and story management. So for any authors who are trying to flesh out the worlds they've created and want an easy way to keep track of, you know, how person A connects to person B and how person B connects back to person Z and all of that kind of thing. Or if you need maps or if you just want to have information there about your different gods or your different countries, anything like that. It's an amazing, amazing tool to help you build up all of those areas. And they even have writing prompts that they'll give you to give you more ideas and spark new thoughts for you to help create these worlds. It's an amazing, amazing tool. It's worldanvil.com. Cannot stress how amazing they are. And the people there are fantastic too. It was actually created by Dimitris, who was making it for his wife, Janet, to help her write her novel. And then after he'd done it, he realized it was also amazing for anyone trying to create a world for a dungeon, or or excuse me, for a RPG campaign. And so he added on those features and it's just, it's an amazing website. And the most amazing thing about it is that all of it's free for the base package, like for, for the, the basic aspect of building up your world and creating everything, it's free. And there's special features and things that you can access if you pay for a subscription, but there's still so many features you get at no charge. Like, it's an amazing website, worldanvil.com, you should go check it out. <clears throat> okay. Speaking of other amazing people and websites, we're talking about Die Hard Dice. Die Hard Dice is run by a small group of really passionate people about creating high quality and beautiful dice. They, and I, I think they personally succeed. And we all mm-hmm. do at the, Net, at the Nerdsmith Network, which is why I'm so happy to partner with them. They're so they pretty. Cre- <clears throat> they create their own new metal dice. Uh, they are creating new designs as often as they can. Over the past couple of months, they put out Spellbinder series dice, which are multicolored metal dice with beautiful color combinations and all that good stuff. They've also started releasing uh, accessories for D&D or any RPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, we're just used to D&D. <laughs> uh, like with their scroll of rolling, which we continually, continuously mention because it's gorgeous and I just want mine, all right? I, <laughs> uh, but American shipping, I know, I will get it. Uh, it holds two sets of dice and rolls out to be like a... A, a, a stopping mat so you can roll it into the side bag and mm-hmm. your dice aren't going to fly everywhere. It's yeah. gorgeous, it's lightweight and it means I don't have to take my uh, my dice box out with me because that, that thought gives me anxiety <laughs> <laughs> uh, about it getting damaged so that's that's great. Yeah. Uh, so feel free to have a look around. If you do find anything that you like on the website, great. You can use the code GeekDaySell for 15% off your first or next order. That's one five. 50%. Uh, so if you want to roll with the best, uh, feel free to check out dieharddice.com. 
Yes, and like always, please don't forget to go to nerdsmith.org and check out all of the other amazing podcasts and streaming shows and everything that we have there. We really do have a little bit of something for all of the nerds out there, so you just have to find what really clicks for you, whether it be us with all this wonderful information or whether it be, you know, a bunch of really sexy tieflings on the river Styx on a boat. You know, there's a lot of choices. Yeah, or some crafting design uh, information from Kajari's yes. curious yeah. crafts. Yeah, her stuff's amazing. Uh, also, as we're now in Pride Month with June, we are, as the Nerdsmith Network, releasing our first ever pin. Our first ever mm-hmm. enamel pin with more to follow at however day. <laughs> uh, yes, they are in it's the works. Slow going. Yeah, it's slow going, but our first one is released in conjunction with Pride because everyone here at the Nerdsmith Network supports everyone being themselves and being mm-hmm. able to live the life they want. Very much. It's a small dragon egg, which is painted with all the colours of uh, the 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 Pride rainbow flags. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I can't wait to get mine. <laughs> if, if you support within the sort of pre- order pre-purchase period we're having for them right. all of the revenue uh profits that nursemith would normally take is going to be donated to the travel project yeah and the travel project is a great service for lgbt youth for helping them deal with bad family situations giving them counseling when they need it and running a 24-hour suicide hotline yeah. they're amazing people we love them we're very happy to give to them we hope if you're interested you'd be you'd give to them too because that all needs to be paid for somehow and it's ridiculous how much they do for people yeah the trevor Uh, project is amazing and all of june all of those are considered our pre-sales so if you order your pin during june that purchase revenue will go to the trevor project because they do amazing work and they need all the funding they can get so if you want to check out those pins go to nerdsmith.org forward slash pride and you can see the information about it and a really nice high-res image mm-hmm. of what you'd be buying. It's uh, really well, pretty. It's so pretty, really. <laughs> uh, as most nerds, we love pins, so yes. I can't wait to get one. All right. All right, well, thank you for listening, guys, and now we'll get back into the episode. Okay, so before we went into the break, we talked about the biggest mystery of Agatha Christie's life. Yes. Which is where she just vanished for 10 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we have the whole rest of her life to talk about, which um, I think one disappearance is enough for one lifetime, don't you think? I Yes, I, I would yes. think so. I would hope so. Um, and, you know, she really was an amazing woman, and I I have to look up more information on this. So I found something that I hadn't known before that I think is very interesting. Um, and I haven't had a chance to really look up if there's any information on how accurate it is. But I read something, you may know, that said she actually had dysgraphia. So kind of like dyslexia, except she got it, words and um, numbers and stuff could all appear backwards to her. I didn't know about that. No, that's really interesting. I I read about it somewhere, and I'm trying to find more information, but um, it definitely would be interesting if it were true. I just can't find it. 
okay. So while you're looking for that, where we can talk about her second marriage because mm-hmm. she did uh, get married uh, again. Uh, Chris, uh, uh, Agatha Christie finally divorced in 1928, a couple of years after. Um, uh, her disappearance and yes. Archibald did marry Nancy uh, Neal. Uh, mm-hmm. Agatha did retain custody of her daughter, uh, and the Christine name for her writing, like said, we already talked about. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, and during that time, she published six novels, a collection of sto- short stories, uh, and a number of short magazine stories as well, which aren't even including in like the big numbers because they're a bit more difficult to track, but. Uh, Agatha Christie didn't uh, decided not to stay in the UK for much longer after that. She went uh, into uh, Istanbul, uh, Istanbul uh, and then <laughs> sub, uh, sub, subsequently Baghdad on the Orient Express, which is also where she got the inspiration for writing about the Orient Express. Uh, yes. Later in this trip, she she met a younger uh, archaeologist uh, by the name of Max Millowain. Uh, a little younger than she was at the time. Uh, but they did thirteen marry. years. Yeah, thirteen years. Her 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 junior, and they actually married in that same year, uh, in nineteen thirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, by all by all reports, their marriage was happy, and uh, they were both very happy with each other, all the way up until Christie's death in nineteen seventy six. Uh, she, uh, there's never been anything to suggest that there was any problems there and that's nice because i think she deserves uh, that happiness i agree um and her i think it's nice too that even though she only had the the one daughter um they remained close and she and was able to also spend time with her grandson um rosalind's child whose name i don't have written down um <laughs> But, um, so speaking back to the dysgraphia, so I guess it partly depends on how accurate you consider these sites. I'm double checking the information I had found and she is listed on dyslexia.com under the famous people who had dyslexia. And there's a quote from her saying that uh, writing and spelling were always terribly difficult for me. My letters were without originality. I was an extraordinarily bad speller and have remained so. Uh, and it's just funny while she's saying that she's using such eloquent speech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, it, it wouldn't surprise me that if anyone could get over that and produce such amazing work, it would be her. <laughs> yes. No, I agree. Well, and the other thing is to, um, you know, one thing that can help in these situations, and I will say this just, you know, for anyone out there who maybe has one of these types of disabilities and is interested in trying to be an author but worried that it's going to hold them back, especially, especially now, there are so many programs out there, so many different you know, spelling, spell check and autocorrect and those kind of things that can help you with this, not to mention editing programs. And um, there's services online where you can submit something to someone for them to edit it for you. There's just, there's so many things that you have at your fingertips that please, please, if you are even slightly considering writing and you're worried that your disability is going to hold you back, don't stop yourself from trying because 
Agatha Christie wrote amazing, amazing works of mystery and crime. And she didn't let her disability stop her from doing it. So if you have something like this, please don't, don't let it hold you back. Keep going, keep trying. If you don't, you never know what's going to happen. You might be the next Agatha Christie, but if you don't try, there's no way to know. Oh, that's a beautiful thing to say, Heather. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, just emotion. So, yeah. Um, honestly, for the rest of her life, she didn't, uh, she spent time traveling, uh, and using that information, because obviously she was married now to an archaeologist, mm-hmm. she used all of those settings to create her other books, including, uh, and then there were none, Murder on the Orange Express, like we talked about, yes. which were all just inspired by their travels together. Yeah, and you can definitely see bits and pieces of that in all of her later novels, because all of her characters bring in information from all of these different foreign countries. Even Miss Marple, who didn't leave home very often um she stayed pretty close or at friends houses more often than not but it was something where oh yes i have this friend who traveled to india and told me this one story and because she loved stories and information so much she retained it and then was able to use that later you know that kind of thing miss marple did that a lot she would she would mention people who had told her things like Yes, well, this happened, and then I remembered that my friend, you know, Mr. Smith, who spent three years in India, had told me once a story about X, Y, and Z, and that reminded me of this, and so I was able to put together X, Y, and Z to figure out who did it. You know, it's that sort of craziness where you're like, so much detail. She did such an amazing job. And, you know, clearly, Russell and I are both fans. Yes. We love her stuff. If you haven't checked out any of her stories before, you can find them on like literally every platform. Her books are on Amazon. You can listen to audiobooks. There's movie versions and um, also like mini series versions of many of her stories, especially ones involving Hercule Poirot and Miss Marple. So there's you know, if you type in Agatha Christie to pretty much any streaming service or like Amazon, you're going to get a whole slew of information and books you can purchase and things if you want to check them out. You can definitely find a way to enjoy these stories because they're worth enjoying. Mm-hmm. If you do have any other questions about Agatha Christie, we would be happy to try and help. But as, yes. we, as we've talked about, she has over 100 publications uh, and... Um, while we are massive fans, not even I've read them all, and I have them all, because finding time to read 85 novels is much harder than you think. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, they're amazing. And one nice thing, too, for anyone who doesn't read really fast, her, most of her books are not insanely long. No. Despite the amount of detail that's in them and how well written they are, they are mostly around like maybe 200 pages maybe less and even if you're a slow reader like i am you can still get through them and honestly when you really start getting into it you probably won't want to put it down also that (laughs) so i think after all that we should wrap up we hope you enjoyed these two weeks of agatha christie we did Uh, (laughs) 
we did absolutely um, I'm probably going to go and read some more Agatha Christie because I am now missing my Agatha Christie collection I know right <laughs> yeah and I, I want to go look for that partways thing you mentioned where they send you like a book every two weeks yeah uh part works yeah part works uh, sorry yes no no it's fine i was just correcting you if you wanted to actually look at it i'm yeah. gonna look into it as well because i don't know if it's a thing anywhere else it might just be here <laughs> anyway it might be but it's an amazing idea i approve yes uh okay well thank you for guys the guys for listening uh, we'll talk to you soon with whatever we decide to cover next might not be two parts we'll, we'll find out at the time i guess Mm-hmm. bye guys bye Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org. And please don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself. Ladies, gentlemen, or what have you, I'm Orion Lavelle. And I'm Travis Mattingly. And together we host Tooth and Nail, a monstrous podcast. Captivated by monster design, we discuss the narrative, artistic, and mechanical design of the monsters lurking in your favorite games and stories. This is a show for the monster fanatic, the game design aficionado, and the DM looking for the perfect goblin encounter. Find Tooth and Nail at nerdsmith.org. Keep fighting!